0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Watermark Students Podcast. I don't know if you can believe it, but this is season eight. We started in the summer of 2020, and we are still going strong. We're so excited that you're back with us. This season, we're going to do a couple of things uh, a little bit different, and we think it's going to be really helpful for you guys in the audience. But as always, I'm joined by a couple of students and a special guest with us today. And so I want to give them an opportunity to introduce themselves before we get
1: into the topic. So, Charlie Kate, why don't you introduce yourself?
2: Um, My name's Charlie Kate, and I'm going to be a student at Auburn next year.
1: Let's go. Hello, I'm Blake Brockmeyer, and I attend the TCA. (laughs) The Trinity (laughs) Christian Academy. (laughs) Pinkies up. And
0: our next guest needs no introduction, but we're going to let him introduce himself anyway. Blake?
3: I am Blake Holmes, and I try to keep up with Jermaine Harrison as best I can. That is my job
0: here. (laughs) He's the lead pastor here at Watermark Community Church, and we are excited to have him on um, for the topic that we're going to discuss. But before we get into the topic, we always love to invite the audience in if you will, as a a participant in the conversation. And so since we have our lead passer here and two teenagers who are up with the times and relevant, Blake, we're gonna give you an opportunity um, this segment, if you will, is going to be called "Keep Our Lead Pastor Relevant." And so, why does
3: this feel like a trap, our
0: <laughs> Well, It's just an it's an opportunity for the audience to get to know you and to um, be excited. Honestly, I'm more afraid of your <laughs> icebreaker
3: than what we're about to talk
0: about. <laughs> oh man! So Charlie, Kate, and and Young Blake is going <laughs> to help me. They're going to help me um, with these icebreakers as we aim to keep you, Blake, uh, relevant. The first one is this: Are you familiar with the term? riz and if so explain it
3: actually jermaine i believe in a providential (laughs) God because this came up last night at dinner and so i do know the answer okay i know the answer i know the answer in my slang, growing up, it would be a guy who has game. It's not a compliment. Wow! <laughs> How about that? How did I do? How did I do?
0: That was pretty that was good. good. I am right. I'm right. I'm All impressed. Right. Blake, I'm impressed, because... Blake. Let's just
3: say, 24 hours ago, <laughs> I would have failed that.
0: <laughs> because you crushed that one, I got to yes. go a little bit more difficult oh no. on, on you. Come on, man. Let's just move on to the topic <laughs> at hand, Jermaine. So here's the next I one. Can't believe you asked me that. <laughs> Translate this teenage saying. So let me give you the context, maybe the context will be helpful. Um, I was dealing with some, an allergic reaction to my glasses on my, on my face. And, uh, these teenagers, some of which are sitting at this table with us were making fun of me and they said the phrase allergies are beta. What do you think that means in this context? Allergies are beta.
2: Hmm.
0: <laughs> Can I phone a friend? <laughs>
3: Allergies are beta. Well, are they kind, compassionate friends who are trying to empathize with no. you and tell you that's not a good thing, Jermaine? <laughs> I feel bad for you. Or are they like, hey, Jermaine, you're making that up, you know, and it's all in your head and quit being such a sissy, Jermaine. I don't <laughs> yeah. know.
0: Those are, those are two good guesses, but both of those are, are incorrect. Um, Charlie. Do you want you want to you want to help him out a little bit? You want to give him a clue, or do you want to explain mm-hmm. what it is?
2: I mean, I feel like you're pretty close. I don't. Jermaine's know. a whoever sissy. Whoever said this was probably implying mm, that whoever it was, whoever, <laughs> whoever would say this to you was probably implying that like you're you reacting on your face to the, the one thing that's supposed to give you sight, like your glasses, that's such a weakness. Like the, mm. you're kind of taking an L in that
0: Yes, way. yes, yes. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. So most of you guys have known, like when an application comes out or software comes out, there's a beta edition, which means there's a lot of work to be done. There's still some weaknesses, some kinks in there okay. to be worked out. And so- that- They don't like your glasses. Is that what I hear you, them saying? <laughs> <laughs> They're saying that I'm weak and I can't handle, I can't handle um, a normal thing in life. All right, Blake, I think you passed the test. Okay. Was yeah, thank good. You. that was good. That. Thank you. um okay, jumping into our topic for today. Uh, our, our topic is how should Christians respond to mass shootings? Uh, I know that's a huge left turn from allergies or beta, but we really do think that a conversation like this is very necessary and relevant in our culture today because, I mean, it's see, it seems like almost every other day you hear of a mass shooting happening somewhere and most notable, notably in schools. And so teenagers in 2023 are really growing up in a, in a different world where the danger and reality of experiencing or being a victim or a part of something like this is far too common. Just last summer, we were at dinner with 60 to 80 students um, right near our church. And there was a a guy acting erratically in the middle of the, the restaurant. And he was screaming and yelling and no one could understand what he was saying. And after the episode happened, some of the students I was with, you know, just shared how they felt nervous about what could have or what was about to happen. And in that moment, it was just that realization that, man, I'm we're growing up in a different world than I grew up in when I was a teenager in high school where this reality is so prevalent. And so today we have our special guest, Blake Holmes, on to just kind of share some of his thoughts and biblical wisdom as to how we should respond to to mass shootings. How do we not become numb to the news? How do we um, respond like Jesus would want us to respond when these tragedies happen? And so the way we're gonna do this is Charlie Kate and young Blake are gonna ask some questions to Reverend Blake, and, and, and we'll have a conversation around this topic of how Christians should respond to mass shooting. So, Charlie Kate, why don't you take it away?
2: Okay, so the first thought is, or the first question is: what is the first thought that goes through your mind when you hear about a school or mass shooting?
3: Well, the first thought that comes to my mind is sorrow. Um, so Jermaine mentioned this to me: the, the fact that my kids you guys, your peers, that this is actually something that you think about and that you carry with you is, um, sad to me. So I grew up in a world where there were no locks on any of the school doors and you could go in and out of any school door at any time of day. Parents came in and out, kids went out of the doors. There were no police officers at my particular school, um, or resource officers. And, um, and so just, there was no shooter drills. And so um, my kids now live in a world, you guys live in a world where they have active shooter drills, where schools are locked. And, um, and so that, uh, that makes me sad for my friends, for my kids, that that's where we are. Um, and at the same time, though, Um, I'm also reminded that despite the world we live in, there is a God in heaven who does love us, that, um, that he is sovereign and he remains in control and, um, and that we can trust him. And so, um, I think that the word that I have though is, is just sorrow at the reality and the headlines that we read right now.
0: Yeah. That's so interesting. Um. You know, as a young dad, I have a a two and a half year old and a six month old, and I'm even already starting to like, you know, think about these things about when they go off to school or even when you just leave your child at, you know, a friend's house or, you know, whatever it might be of like, or, or even when I'm away from my family for work, the 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 myriad of things that could happen along this vein of, you know, if my wife takes the kids to the mall, or, you know, like, there's just so many more things that I think about now that if this was five, 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't be thinking about it. And so it truly is uh, a unique experience. And so for you guys, students, uh, what about y'all? Like when you, you know, hear the news or, or see a mass shooting um, being reported on social media, or whatever it might be like, you know, what's the first thought that comes to y'all's minds?
1: Man, it is It is very tragic that we have to grow up in a world like that. And it just, it sucks sometimes to just see how broken everyone is. And over time, I've become more and more numb to these things happening. It's like that, that shouldn't happen. Like I should feel sympathy and like I should feel that. But it just, it keeps happening so much. And you just start to like, oh, like it keeps happening and it's tragic. And we should... We should keep focusing on the Lord in those times and those situations and realizing, like, this isn't what heaven's going to be like. That is not that is not what's going to happen in heaven. But we need to keep loving everyone around us, no matter what is happening in those tragic situations. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I I agree with like, I think something that I feel like convicted about a lot when because in Bible class this year, we, we every time we would come to class. This is something that the teacher kind of like, I guess, was really on his heart to always like bring us to like uh, be more aware about what's going on in our world and one of the things he would always do is tell us how many people had died because of mass shootings which sounds so morbid and i like hate that i'm ca- it's kind of makes me like i don't know it just and it was sad to me because i like made myself sad because i became so numb to it and so unlike i like it was like a mental separation like it's never happened to me and so i don't know how to like fully feel that other than be like empathetic for the people that it's impacting Boss, like I personally don't know anyone that's been impacted by it so it's almost like guilt of like never having to experience that and then also seeing so many people have such a tragedy happen to them and like how their lives are so changed by it
0: yeah yeah I think that both you guys alluded to something this this next question which I think is really helpful we live in a world where um the news is instant where every bad thing that happens in our culture, even if it's not necessarily a mass shooting, um, it's so easy to know about. It. And what you guys are describing of the like feeling of numbness to it, it's almost a, uh, you know, a human way of of preservation. Like I can't deeply care about every difficult thing that happens. And so I have to like psychologically, I don't even know, you know decide when I'm going to care and when I'm not going to care, because the burden of caring in the same way about every one of these equally tragic situations is just really difficult. It is a burden. And so, Blake, on that note, um, how do we how do we navigate that? How do we not become numb to the news, to the articles, to the headlines about mass shootings, but also rightly and appropriately, um, you know, grieve it or respond to it? What, what what comes to your mind there
3: well that's a that's a really good question and i think one thing i'd say is you want to guard yourself i think from two extremes on one hand there's a a detachment that becomes callousness um a cynicism around our world and it is it's it's a form of i think self-preservation is that, that we detach so we don't think about it uh we run from it cuz it's such an unpleasant uh, reality in our world, just the sorrow. It's not mass shootings. You turn on the TV today and watch what's happening with Ukraine. Watch. I mean, there's, there's, there's so much in our world as we take in the news that can feel very heavy. And to your point, Jermaine, it's instant We're carrying phones. It's just instant feeds. So I do think you have to be careful what you're feeding your mind with. Paul talks about that, right? And Philippians, um, He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Um, You think about what he says in 2 Corinthians 10. He talks about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Uh, Romans 12 talks about don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind or to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, what we think about, what we give our hearts to is really, really important. And I do think there are times I'd encourage my friends, um, and I need to be reminded that, hey, maybe today is not the time for me to take in more news. Um, Maybe today that's a burden the Lord uh, would not have me to carry. And so you've got to think about how you think. You need to think about even your news source? Is it, is it a news source that's sharpened, uh, with a bent of cynicism, criticism, uh, godlessness, um, a tribal mentality, if you will, that represents one point of view, demonizing another, how biblically informed is it? Those things are important. At the same time, I think there's people who are glib and kind of let go, let God, everything's great. God's in control. God loves you. But they aren't dealing with the reality and the pain of the world and the suffering of the world. They, they may be personally right now in a, uh, a, a state or a season in their life where it feels like the wind's at their back, um, but they can't be naive to the pain around them. We are called, Romans 12, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to mourn with those who mourn. And so um, I would want to avoid both extremes. And I do think how you take in the news, how you think about the news, when you take it in, who's reporting it really does matter. And then just where you are personally in that season.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Um, do you, either of you guys on that question, do you have a thought of like how do you decide what I listen to um, or how often I? You know, read the news. I know you're not turning on the nightly news, but you're probably on social media, or your friends are updating you, or you're seeing it on on uh, on TikTok or whatever it might be. And so, how do you guys navigate? Hey, this is not a day for me to, you know, read the news, like like Blake was just talking about. And when do you decide? How do you decide that?
2: I think for me, I'm not very into the news personally. I just don't. I don't find a lot of joy in. Never really when I read those things just because it's so sad. But I do am grateful for my my mom who's very, she's very informed on these things. She's really into kind of just like seeing these situations and praying about them and also like making me aware of them and wanting to talk about it because she's like a, she's a student, she's a counselor at the school that we go to. And so she, it is part of like her job is to be more aware of these situations right. because she also has like the aspect of like comforting teachers who are also struggling with it. And so it, whenever she finds something that she just really, she's a very emotional person sometimes, and so whenever she is really impacted by something, I know it's important, and she'll send it to me or she'll talk about it at dinner. So I feel like that's how I stay the most informed on things.
1: Yeah, I think I think you should honestly, you should talk about it with people. You should be upfront about how you're feeling in those situations and stuff like that. And like having this news feed where we just constantly keep getting more and more news, it's not good for us. But if we we're able to talk in community with each other and we're we're talking about how this affects us and how we can move forward and continue to grow together. And I think personally what works best for me is deleting Instagram like random times in the month just to give me a fresh look on life and like feeling cleansed from the social media that keeps bringing in more and more bad every day.
0: Yeah, that's good.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, me
0: and my wife, have started this practice that Will McElroy has coined the term dopamine detox, and he did it for one week where he had no social media, but he was kind of cheating because he still had to be real. But the <laughs> heart behind it is exactly what what Blake's talking about, like um, not, not going to either extreme where it's like, what bad things happening at every moment of every day, I need to know every single thing or the, you know, like total detachment, but like an appropriate um, middle ground. And there's a tension and, you know, maybe in different seasons that looks different of what that middle ground looks like for you. But I think you're like, your advice is wise of avoiding both of those extremes.
1: Um, all right, let's keep going. Why don't you ask the uh, that the third question on there, Blake. Okay. How can teenagers reconcile God's goodness, God's sovereignty, and mass shootings?
3: Okay. Well, we could spend a whole, <laughs>
1: <podcast> <laughs> that could be a separate topic all, all,
3: all <clears throat> by really, itself. Blake, it's a good question. And really, this is the question that um, theologians and people have asked since the beginning of time because it's the problem of evil. The fancy theological term is mm. it's a theodicy, right? So it's a 10 cent word you can use. Maybe sounds smart, but um, it's the problem of evil. How do we reconcile um, the existence of evil with um, the existence of God? So um, philosophically, people have done this in a lot of different ways. Some people, um, maybe your Buddhist friends, their option is simply to deny evil. Your atheist friends, they've chosen to deny God. Um, your deist friends have chosen to deny God's um supernatural activity in our world. He exists, but he's just aloof and distant. So you're either going to deny evil, you're gonna deny the existence of God, you're gonna deny the power of God. Christianity acknowledges the reality of evil and that there is sovereign, good, loving God. And so then how do you reconcile that? And so that that takes us into um, a much longer discussion. But I I do want to say a couple of points to this, and maybe we could talk about resources later on, or you could put them in the show notes. But what I'd want to suggest to you is that the Christian worldview is the most consistent, credible worldview. and because you don't have to deny evil and, um, and absolutely think about the fact that the moment you begin to look at something and declare it evil, to say that's wrong. And we have that, that sense and that demand for justice. We are all inherently, we are arguing for an objective moral good. We all have that innate sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I came over to you, Charlie, and I just, pushed you out of that chair out of nowhere. You look at me like, what in the world? Like, that's wrong. Why in the world would you do that to me? Right? You look at me, Blake, and go, man, that, that guy's not very nice. Why? Why would you, you, you don't know me, but we would all look at my actions and go, you shouldn't treat her that way. That's That oughtness, what you ought to do, what you shouldn't do, that comes from something. And what, the Bible would say is it comes from the fact that you're made in the image of God, and there is an objective moral truth that comes from God's character. And so that innate sense of right and wrong implies there's a moral law giver, okay? And speaks to the fact that there is a God. So you, for someone who denies um, the existence of God, The simple question is, well, where does that come from? That sense of right and wrong that we all have, regardless of culture or age or demographic or economic background or education, where does that come from? Uh, That sense of right and wrong. And so I want to also just say to you, because you'll be asked, well, why did God create evil? Why did God create evil? Well, evil is not created. Evil is the absence of that which is good. It's just like darkness is the absence of light. God did not create evil. Um, Now we experience evil acts because we live in a fallen world where people choose to give in to their own sinful desires, Mm -hmm. right? We have an enemy in Satan. Satan is the Hebrew word, which means adversary. And we live in a fallen world. So we experience the effects of the fallen world, but that's not what God originally intended for us as you read in Genesis 1 and 2. So the good news is, long answer to this, but you're asking a hard question. The good news is, God loves us so much that he was willing to enter into our world of pain and suffering to offer us hope in life and that the story's not finished. And so although there is evil today, that doesn't mean that will always be the case, but every day that passes is an opportunity for more of us to trust in the sovereignty and goodness and the grace of God, to know him, Because one day, evil will ultimately be destroyed, and um, every tear will be wiped away, and that will be when Jesus Christ returns. And every day is an extension of his grace for us to have opportunity to respond to it.
0: So good so good literally while you're thinking about it i'm gonna appeal to maybe the 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 comic book nerds in the in the audience i know will is not one of them um but like what you were just talking about that sense of this isn't the way it was supposed to be i remember when i was watching in the movie theaters the movie avengers infinity war at the end of that movie the villain thanos sits down and he's like victorious like he's defeated the good guys And he sits down and he's like overlooking whatever this pasture land. And then the screen goes black. And the immediate response is like, no, this is not how it's supposed to be. The bad guy isn't supposed to win. Evil isn't supposed to prevail. Like anyone watching that movie is that's the point that they're trying to bring across. Like evil isn't supposed to win. And we all know that. And we have that sense when the when we see that news of, you know, the child involved in a, in a, in a mass shooting or whatever it might be. It's like evil is not supposed to win. And exactly it's not supposed to win. It might feel like it's winning in the moment of, of tragedy and sorrow, but it's not because of Jesus, because there is a sovereign, holy, righteous, and just God who reigns above all of it. And even in our finite minds, we might not feel that or experience that one day he will make it all right.
3: Yeah. I would love just to say also what I love about scripture is how honest it is. So, especially when you look at, um, various Psalms, so I think about, um, Psalm 13, Psalm 13, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Uh, just think about the anguish, right? The Psalmist is saying there or Psalm 37 to the point of of this topic. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So Psalm 37, Psalm 73, um, as well, they they speak to the reality of evil in it, this prompting of, Lord, what? What is happening? Why is this happening? The Psalms give us expression to what how we feel when we mm-hmm. see that tragedy in our life, and so um, the the pain that we feel, the hurt that we feel. What's great about this is the Psalms give us permission to go to the Lord with that pain and express our hurt and our sorrow. And what Jesus does is he tells us that he understands because he became a man, and no one has experienced the injustice. In the the reality of evil more so than the Savior, Jesus Christ.
0: That's good. That's good. Thanks, Blake. Those are some helpful thoughts. Why don't we keep going? Charlie, Kate, you want to ask that the next question?
2: Um, Yes. It's easy to live in fear of a school shooting, mass shooting. What advice would you give to teenagers who get anxiety in big crowds or going to school?
3: Well... um I like this question as well. This isn't just advice for teenagers. This is advice for me <laughs> and for others, myself. Yeah. It's a question of anxiety. Anxiety, the etymology of that word and the Greek word is, is to be double-minded. You, On one hand, let's say you believe that God is good and He's he, he um, protects us. But on the other hand, you're really wrestling with the anxiety, the other contradictory thought of, He's not going to protect me. Something's going to happen to me. And that's what creates the angst. That's what creates the anxiety. Um, I believe this plane is going to take off from Dallas and land in New York City. I believe that. Planes do it every day. But I get on the plane and then I start to worry, oh my gosh, this plane's going to crash. This plane's going to crash. This plane's... So I've got two competing narratives in my head. So that anxiety um, I can relate to because we've all dealt with it. And so what I'd want to say to uh, my teenage friends is um, that's not strange. You're not alone. Um, And anxiety is something we all feel about whatever subject at one point or another. It's what we do with that anxiety. So um, maybe you're familiar with the passage, right? That, that Paul speaks of in Philippians. He tells us, don't be anxious about anything, about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, we're to make our requests known to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But that's a process. That's a process as we grow and learn to trust him and walk with him. It's not just a, it's not a pill you take and all of a sudden you feel better. It's a, it's a walking with the Lord, acknowledging our fears and anxieties, confessing that to him, um, sharing with him our, our, um, our worries and our fears and, um, leaning on him. And that, that's just a process that we all go through. And so I'd tell you to be, um, to wait on him and to confess that to him and to go to him and to know that God, he does offer us a peace, which transcends all understanding the spirit of God for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ. Here's the amazing thing, Charlie is that the very Spirit of God who spoke this earth into existence resides in your heart, loves you. You are now united with Christ. And when we lean on him, there is something that God has given you that is unique from everybody else in the world who does not know the Lord. I can't always explain that, but I know it to be true. I know he never leaves you. And I know that he has a purpose, even in that pain that you would draw more upon him. And the next time you begin to experience those fears and those anxieties, because you've leaned on Him, you're going to find Him faithful. And then the more you do that, the more you find Him faithful, and the easier
0: it becomes to trust Him. It's a good word. Thank you, Blake. Hey, we're 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 coming up close on time. We got about five minutes or so, but I want to give you guys an opportunity to share any you know final words of advice or wisdom from God's Word. Um, but before we do that, um, I wanted to make sure we. Um, shared some resources for further discussion on this topic. Uh, I, I, In preparation for this, I looked up, Blake, you actually wrote an article called How to Respond to Mass Shootings um, that our church posted on June the 5th. And we can put that in the show notes. I always hear podcasters say that. I have no idea how that happens. So whoever knows how to put links in the show notes, that would be amazing to put that one from Blake. And is there any others that you would recommend um, we add to the list, Blake?
3: Um I think there's some helpful articles that yeah we could we could put in there um it just depends on how deep people want to go yeah. when we're talking about the problem of evil um you know there there are several books <laughs> that have been written on that as you know Jermaine yeah that um that I think are that I think are helpful and um just depending on how deep people want to go okay.
0: well we'll link some of those down in the in the show notes however that happens so that um, depending on what you're interested in, in this topic, you can, you can read those and, and get even more resource and equipped. Okay. To wrap us up, why don't all of you guys give us a last word of encouragement or advice or reminder from God's word or whatever it might be, on um, on this issue of how Christians should respond to mass shootings.
1: Okay. So I'll go. Uh, so I know that Charlie and Kate, my perspective is very different compared to y'all's and our parents' perspectives on these tragedies. Teenagers alike are growing up in the society called post-truth, which means relating to or denoting circumstances, which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. Basically, we use emotion instead of truth to shape opinions on certain circumstances. If we look in the passage, John 14:6, John says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We clearly see that Jesus is the only truth that remains unchanged over centuries. Although it fills me with grief to say that the probability of mass shootings will keep increasing, that doesn't mean that we should live in fear daily. Instead, we can remember that Jesus is the truth in a society that has forgotten the truth. And if you're a teenager like me in 2023, I ask that we continue to love everyone no matter who they are. No one is too broken for Jesus, so continue to love the people who are broken. And I think Romans 12:21 sums it up best. Do not overcome by evil but overcome evil with with good so take that verse to heart and remember community built on real truth will be a light in this really dark world so thank you thank you for letting me have, be on here that, let's go <laughs> that
2: was really nice
3: i'd call that strong to quite strong I right there
1: Charlie, yeah, yeah. kate
0: what you got
2: that was a lot to follow goodness <laughs> that was really good though thank you okay. thank you i think that in this i don't that was very well worded but i feel like for me, my, the aspect that I struggle with the most with this topic is ultimately it comes down to like the lack of control you have in the situation mm-hmm. and your inability to help in the situations like physically. Like that is just something that I've never, you know, it's just like so separated and there's no control. Like You can't really change that person's mind once they've, because you don't know that they're going to do. Anyways, that's <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, I just think that. Ultimately, the it's like the submission to the Lord that his will will be done. And ultimately, out of those situations, there will be a sp- sense of peace eventually. But that's so hard to say to someone, I feel like, or just talk about in relativity to the topic because it's such a horrible thing. And that's not something you want to hear right when it happens or probably very for a long time, because it feels like this it shouldn't be happening. And ultimately, that's just like a struggle I feel like a lot of people have, whether you're Christian or not, it's just such a hard situation. But a lot of what I've been like, this this verse just has come up a lot in like my week this past week, and it really resonated with me on the topic. But it's um, Isaiah 62, verse one and two. It says, For God alone my soul waits in silence. For him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And I think that ultimately... In these situations, you just have to remember that, like, physically people aren't protected, but, like, emotionally and, like, they are protected as a soul. And, like, the Lord in that in those situations, his hands is over those situations. And I just feel that even though it doesn't feel like it in the moment, there is something that will come of it. And that's hard to hear, but it's just, I, there's just, it's really hard to speak hope into those situations because it feels like such a hopeless moment. But I think that it's just a reminder and like in situations that are as big as this, but also situations that are small in your life that you feel like are still impacting you greatly, like you just have to be reminded that like the Lord is protecting you, he is there and he will ultimately deliver you from any situation. So
0: I love it. Blake, any final thoughts? I think they
3: responded really well. Those were great um answers. Um it just so happened this morning. I was in John eleven. I love this passage because um, I think we are so much like Martha and Mary. You now Lazarus has died, and um it does seem hopeless. In fact, it, it sure looks like Jesus went out of his way to be late. To
0: make it hope. Make it more hopeless. <laughs> to, to make it more hopeless.
3: And and then what of course do they say? They run to him and they go, Hey, had you been here, had you been here, you could have done something. And I think that's the way a lot of us feel oftentimes. Lord, hey, had why didn't you do something? Why, why didn't you show up beforehand? You could have done this. And it's in this context that Jesus says, I'm the resurrection of life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And then we know he goes and he raises Lazarus from the dead. And even then, people did not believe. It's crazy. The disciple, I mean, the Pharisees saw that and felt threatened by him. They're like, well, we got to kill him. That's just, just crazy. Mm-hmm. Um And so I think what I'd want to say is this is a little picture of, I think, God's love for us and the hope we can carry even in the midst of death and sorrow and tragedy. You know, Jermaine, this is the first verse you memorized, right? Jesus wept. That was the verse you had. (laughs) John
0: 1135. There you go. I
3: knew you knew it. John 1135, Jesus wept. So just think about the fact that we we serve a God who loves us enough to enter into our world of pain and brokenness and injustice. He died the death that we deserve so that we could experience life and hope and have a resurrection hope that he offered to Lazarus one day. That this isn't the end of the story, that he is writing our story. He has our best interest in mind and he loves us. And so even when we can't put all the pieces together, we see throughout scripture that time and time and time again, that the Lord, He is all knowing and He could take even the worst, most tragic acts of evil, His death, and three days later rise again. And we can trust Him. Joseph's story tells us, we can trust Him. Jesus' story tells us, we can trust Him. And the Bible story tells us, we can trust Him. And we're just in the middle of the story. And so and I want to end with um, Psalm 56 8, because I think it's such a sweet psalm that I turn to, but in Psalm 56, 8, the psalmist talks about how the Lord captures every one of our tears in his bottle. Mm. And I think, man, that, that just feels amazing to me that the one who spoke this earth into existence, who is transcendent, all powerful, just and holy, and yet he's so intimate and loving and relational that he captures our tears. He knows our pain. And that's an amazing thought.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think to summarize everything that y'all just said, ultimately, evil will not win. Jesus has guaranteed that there's a victory that we will experience. Those who've placed our faith and trust in him, even though there might be battles that feel like we've lost, whether it's a mass shooting or some other sort of tragedy evil will not win. And and I know with a topic like this, there's always, you know, as soon as it happens or the news is out there, you know, there's immediate, this is what we should do to make sure this doesn't happen again. And you can fill in the blank with whatever the solution. But the the last thing I would want to share with anyone listening is there are many temporary fixes that may help or they may not, but there is one ultimate fix and that is Jesus truly. Jesus is the ultimate fix to the, the brokenness in this world. Proverbs 18 verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and is safe. So the the only place that is safe is in uh, relationship and union with the God of the universe who made it possible for us to live in relationship with him. And so Anyways, thank you guys so much for your thoughts. Thank you so much for um, coming prepared, Blake. We really do appreciate your, your wisdom, Charlie and, and Blake, the younger. Thank you guys also for your contribution to this podcast. That's all the time that we have for today. But hey, we want, as Will has always said on this podcast, we want you to share this um, episode with your friends. If they can relate, if they've experienced this, if they know someone who, who has, um, share this podcast as a resource to them. We, we are grateful for y'all and we'll see y'all in the next one. Peace.